1: 2025 QX80 coming this summer. To play with the Falcons
2: and I had to give a lot of that money back to him to become a minority owner. You know, I just managed I just, yeah, I managed my, my money, but he asked me a key question, you know, towards the end of my career. It's like, what are you gonna do after football? Oh, you know, he said, Hey, do you want to go coach? you want to go, you know, do this or that? It's like, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, so what you want to do? I said, I'd rather be up there with you in the box. <laughs>
1: Up, up on, 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 on game, game, game presents conversations with a legend.
3: Around here we hustle for a living. Around here, around here we grind for a living.
4: Around here, around here we hustle for a living. Around here, around here, around here we grind for a living. And welcome to another exciting edition of Up on Game presents conversations with a legend. And we do have another legend on board, on tap. One of my personal faves, a hero g- growing up. Uh, we got Mr. Ward Dunn. Now, I got I got to set it up by saying this. And I know I probably told you this a few times over. But, you know, I used to wear wristbands on my shins right below my knee because of Ward <laughs> Dunn. I had to strap. I had to strap on my shoe because of Ward Dunn. I had the wristband on my elbow. Now they might have thought it was just because of deep Brooks and, and Ray Lou, but a lot of my influence came from, from you. And oh wow. wow. So and it's interesting because, you know, I I'll give you a, a backstory. Andy Urbanic, right? Y'all's okay. assistant yep. A D, yep. was from Penn Hills, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And when I was in high school, he did a camp of champions in Pittsburgh. So gotcha. they would come to the camp, and during the mess halls, when all the teams would come together and be eaten, he would show highlights of Florida State. So my two favorites easily – well, three. I got to say three, but I didn't want to be Charlie Ward. I wanted to be like Ward Dunn and Derek Brooks. So right. the coolest thing was – the. Uh, here's the weirdest thing. I'm taller than both of y'all, right? <laughs> yeah. So I was at 6'3". In high school, like this like my freshman year, sophomore year, and uh, Andy Urbanic would bring me the the tapes. So indirectly, I ran like I was your size because I in my mind I wanted to run like how you ran. So wow. Wow. I, I I patterned my running style after you, so I was quick and I was shifty even though I was long. You know what I mean? So,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I
4: rocked the cowboy collar and all that stuff because of, because of D Brooks and all that. So I was a Florida Stater and I always told Coach Bowden, God rest his soul, I always told him if they would have recruited me harder, I would have been a Knoll. You know what I mean? But, wow, yeah,
2: wow. true story. You would enjoy so, it. You would enjoy it, the little small town. I mean, I know hey, you, you were a great player in college and so forth. You would enjoy Tallahassee, just – you know, all of the competition just to yeah. just to compete, just to get on the field, I think, would have just, you know, been crazy. So we had a good group of linebackers then. I'm sure you'd have came and you'd have added to that mix and would have been would have been crazy on defense.
4: Yeah. That that was the same year David Warren came in. That
2: that yeah. would have been two
4: it would have been ninety seven. But I mean, I grew up on them like when, when they had Ruble, D Brooks. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? They had Wadsworth, they had they had Alexander, Crockett. had Crockett, Crockett, had Hamlet in the back. I, I I'll run no. it off for you now. I don't, don't, <laughs> hey, Clifton Abraham. I, I mean I'll yeah. I'll run them off. Um but but here's the thing. So so being a part of one of the most iconic eras of Florida State football and being so young. And, and, and getting in the mix of it. I can recall you and Rock Preston being in the, in the backfield. Um, I think you were older, though, right? You, I think he came well, we, in. We I, came
2: in. No, we were same both freshmen. Year. Y'all were same both freshmen. Year. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
4: Wow. So, But you played more out the gate than Rock did.
2: Well, I, I played more out the gate because – when we started camp, he wasn't there the first few days because he, okay. he did the summer. He was in school, summer okay. school, right? Okay. The, I think, you know, you can go to school early on. And he went to school early and I didn't. So, you know, classes didn't end early enough for him to start. So I had a couple of days on him okay. uh, doing that. But, I mean, once he came, you know, I was like, oh, my God, I, I better get it together. <laughs> and, you know, we just competed. But the right. thing is, we made each other better. And I just happened to play my freshman year because, this, you know, the starter had an ankle injury during camp. And, you know, he didn't take a lot of reps. The backup um, blew his knee out. You know, first day of camp, Tiger McMillan blew his yeah. knee out. And wow. then, uh, you know, the second – I mean, third and fourth guy, you know, it's just it – they were in the mix. So once I started getting reps against the first-team defense – Sixty yards, fifty yards, this or that. That was all she wrote.
4: All right, I gotta ask you this, because I got a kid right now that reminds me a lot of you. And he's five nine. And he's not getting a lot, he's not getting a lot of looks, but he is destroy I mean, straight Getsu knife in defenses with the way he stops and he goes and he accelerates. What was it like for you? Because you were able to become a highly touted, highly recruited uh, running back out of Louisiana. How did that? How did that take place for you? How did? How did you go about getting that exposure?
2: Well, if you, my whole story was that when I was in high school, I was a high school option quarterback, so mm-hmm. I didn't play I running remember, back. Right. You know, I, I played a lot of different positions, but my goal was to play running back. Every school re-played, recruited me to play defensive back. Okay. And that's not what I want to do. I just happen to make a deal with Coach Bowden. Hey, Coach, if I come, you have to. I want to play running back. If it doesn't work out, then I'll move the defense back. I don't have a problem. And he made a deal with me and says, "Okay, let's let's we'll do it." And you know, I kept hearing from all the coaches, all the schools across the country, you know, and definitely Florida State. You can be the next Deion Sanders, Terrell Buckley. Uh-huh. Said, I was like, I just want to be work done. So, you know, I got my opportunity, and like I said, three, four days in my first week, we never even talked about defensive back anymore. I was strictly on the offensive side of the ball. And that's how, that's how it went. And I grew up playing running back. I was the smallest kid, but people couldn't tackle me when I started playing when I was seven. And believe it or not, I was just starting running back when I was 10 years old, 11 years old, and my pops, who's like, He's a father figure to me. I call him my pops. He moved me to receiver, said, you're not playing running back anymore. You need to learn how to catch the ball. Uh You're going to score this year. You're going to catch the ball. And I learned how to catch really good when I was 12 years old. And I I think overall, the skill set just all started coming together. It all came together, right? Yeah, I was reading cover defenses. We was making audibles at the line of scrimmage. My understanding of the game just grew. And then once I be uh, once I was in middle school and high school, started playing quarterback. And they basically what they do when you were on option, usually they put the best athlete at quarterback, who can this or that, right? Uh-huh. And you know, and I started to really learn and understand. And and I, you know, I was just trying to have fun. So you know, it's for me, it's you know, it's just about enjoying the moment, doing what you can. So fast
4: forward. I got to fast forward to this. Because you meant so much to me, when we played Atlanta and I got my first chance to play against you, I was gunning for you. Like, I felt like if I could get to you, like, that's like one of those things. It's like if I'm on the field with another linebacker, I'm going to try to outdo that linebacker. If I'm on the field and he and, and a hero is on the other side, like Jerome Bettis, I had to try my hand with Jerome Bettis, right? So it was like there was like a couple. There was you. There was Fred Taylor. There was Jerome Bettis. Those were the three. It's like, oh, they're on the field, like, whew. So I don't know if you remember this. But you remember me – I don't even know who the fullback was, but he came to chop me, and I leapfrogged him, and I got a hold of you in Atlanta, and it was a highlight of my life to be able to get a hold of Ward done in the backfield. It was a TFL, by the way. I did get yeah, you for
2: I mean, you know, those things happen occasionally, but yeah. I, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a clean hit, right, because I wasn't trying to give you a lot to hit. But you know, I trust the guys in front of me, and I, you know, I had um, Fred McQuarrie. You know, McQuarrie. I leapfrogged him. Yeah, I leapfrogged yeah, him. So I figured that's who it was, right? Yeah, because yeah. Justin, Justin wouldn't let you do that. He was a smaller guy, so he's gonna <laughs> use his his size to help him. But Fred right. was trying to always pound you. Yeah.
1: So,
2: um, but I can just I can say that if you did do that, and I don't remember, right? right. But. It wasn't I a remember. clean shot. I know, you I remember, remember, but I'm going to go back and look at the film. So You got to go it check it out. Shot, yeah, if it was a clean shot, no, I wasn't going to let that happen. We're going to have to do you part two. Me. You're going to have to tell me what
4: you saw on part two.
2: Oh, we can do that. We can do that. You, we can do that. It was, you know, hey, whatever is going to make you sleep better at night. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> We're
4: so old now. And, and, and so here's a transition. Here's a transition. Everybody knows especially in Atlanta, what Ward Dunn is doing and what Ward Dunn has done for his entire life. But for those who may have lived under a rock for all these years and never caught wind to all of the great things you've done, let us know what you're doing now. What does Ward Dunn
2: have going on now? Well, I have a lot of jobs, right? So I would tell you that it, we can be here for a little bit. And, yeah. You know, I don't think we have enough time, but I think um, you know a lot of people know me as the guy who just helps families, right? I, I'm the right. guy who gives away houses. I don't give anything away, but I try to help single parent families who are becoming first time homeowners uh, move into their new home. And the reason I do that is because my mom and what she her issues were, the reasons she sacrificed her life is trying to provide a stable environment for us. So for me, I wanted to live out my mom's dream through other single parents. And what we do is we assist single parent families who are becoming first-time homeowners. And that's giving them $5,000 down payment, and we're fully furnishing their homes. We, I mean, we put everything in their homes all the way down to the toothbrush, right? So now you just pretty much have to just bring bring your bring clothes. Bring yourself, right, yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. So we've been doing it now, and we're about to get ready to celebrate Twenty-five That's years, awesome. twenty-five that is years awesome. of uh, of this, and you know we're up to a hundred. I think I'm gonna get the number one hundred and ninety-five wow. single-parent families we've helped to amazing. date. So we're gonna continue to go and getting ready for Home Two Hundred. No, I appreciate it, but yeah. I this this started in nineteen ninety-seven. I had no idea what I was doing in nineteen ninety-seven you know just years later and, and you know i just knew that mom i'm living my mom, mom's dream and for me it was more like therapy but yeah, yeah as organizations we've grown over the years and like i said we're about to celebrate 25 years of this program but we've also expanded now we have a financial literacy program that's called count on your future we try to help families not just about budgeting but we want them to save money mm-hmm. and it's not just the parents we also work with the kids as well start start a savings account Indeed. invest in themselves and we do that and we also have a program that's called scope a healthy food initiative where we try to educate families on quick and healthy meals mm-hmm. eventually build their own vegetable box where they can grow their foods in their backyard so we're doing that and we also have a uh, A scholarship program is called hearts for community service where we try to help students who are in school they're impacting their community but they also need some assistance in school as well and we just raised that to five thousand dollars that a thousand dollars five thousand dollars scholarship so we're just trying to uh help you know our community and over the years these programs have come around, uh, we transition these things because these are things I've learned from other families Uh hearing their stories, their issues, and how can I really help support them on their journey of home ownership? And, Mm -hmm. you know, stable housing solves a lot of problems, society problems, and I'm focused on that. Uh, For me, it's important that we give these kids an opportunity to have their parents you know, until they get a lot older so they can continue to learn. Mm -hmm. I just don't want kids to go through what I had to go through and and burying my my mom, not having her around through through the important years of not just my life, but my younger five brothers and sisters. They needed her Mm -hmm. during that time. So I wanna help preserve that for kids just moving forward. And, you know, this program is near and dear and we're trying to grow and expand this program. We're in 14, I wanna say 15 states Uh, 24, 25 markets, we're growing. We're expanding and trying to get into every NFL city. That's going to be the goal in 2022. It's like, how can we actually go and impact you know, every NFL city because most of the guys who play on these teams grew up in a single parent house. Mm-hmm. They Someone in their family can relate to it. So we want to be able to take this program and expand and, and partner with the teams moving forward. And now I'm into building housing as well. i got WD Communities where we build housing for families. Uh, when We don't just work with single parent families, but two parent households. We, we try to just help individuals who are on that journey. But the difference with this program is that once you purchase a home, we try to make sure we support the families for at least five years through their journey mm-hmm. of home ownership. And that nice. means that means taking courses, financial literacy courses, cons- consistently holding them accountable. I call it health and wellness, where we try to incentivize them to go to counseling. Um, you know, uh, work out, train, just all the things we do in our health and wellness piece, we want to be able to incentivize them for long long periods of time. And we try to help families who may need to get a certificate to upgrade their status on their job or if they want to be entrepreneurs, workforce development. So we try to help support the families for at least five years. Mm-hmm. And we use government subsidies to help with that as well.
0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
2: I can go on and on and on. We can be on here for a while, but you know, like I, I work with the Legends program as well, yeah, trying to help. Let's retire. talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, trying to help retired players um, really understand what they have, you know, at their fingertips, right? Creating this access for them to be able to understand their benefits, all the perks that they have, the opportunities to take courses to to learn different things. We just want to be a resource to them and make sure that they understand that they played this game for a long time. You know, when you leave the game, you don't have that locker room feel when you're at home. So we can we can create that virtual locker room in a sense where, you know, from time to time we get together, you can, you know, um, communicate and catch up with the guys that you played it with played against, you know, reliving those moments, you have those moments where you can do that with the Legends program. But most importantly, we support them, right? Scholarship opportunities. Uh, If anything happens in the family, we can support them, you know, by any assistance. I mean, anything. We can probably help with anything to really assist them through their journey. And it's not just the individual, but they have all these benefits. Let's put it to use. Let's help support yourself and your family. So, you know, it's been a a, a great program. I've been there since the, since the inception. So it's just grown and we're just trying to continue to expand. And now we got the app guys can download the app, really uh, take advantage of the opportunities and the things that uh, I think the legends program and the league is trying to do for them. Mm-hmm.
4: Now with with all that being said, and you mentioning the education and finances and scholarships and all those different things that you wear a hat for what's your what's your take on branding as it applies to these things because for me it's like the brands that exist for some of these legends and what what opportunities could be there if they understood what branding truly meant and how to leverage it I think is something that is is needed that education of what that looks like I feel like you've done an an amazing job whether and you could tell me whether you were aware of it or just kind of it happened but Warwick Dunn is a brand and that's that's your charity it's it's named after you that's a legacy what what goes into warwick dunn's idea of branding
2: well i can tell you when i first started i had no idea i wasn't doing anything to work on a brand you know whatever right i think over the years once you build equity when i say equity when you build some clout some consistency and people know that this is what this person is truly about then you start to really uh, work on what your brand looks like. You know, some guys just think, well, if I can go on the field, I score a couple of touchdowns, you know, I have this brand that is X, Y, and Z. Well, what is your goal long-term? And I tried to think about what are the things I want to accomplish as an individual? What position do I want to put myself in, my family in? And also, how do I want to see and help families, you know, down the road? So, you know, that really goes and in developing a plan of how we want to, you know, assist, attack, but at the same time make people aware of the things that I stand for. And, and now I try to associate myself with corporations and brands that are passionate about people, right? I think if you think about my brand, it's more about you know people, right? How can I help someone? You know, I'm passionate about that. It's not something that I don't feel like it's a job. I just get up and go every day. And, and if it's something that you're just passionate about, it you don't think it's a job. It's just something that you love to do. And for me, my brand, I, I think, is really that. It's more uh, people. on people driven. Because when you're building your brand and you're building relationships, that takes time. But it's a people's business. And I'm sure you've learned over the years that football, sports, when you're dealing with these organizations, it a, it is a people's business business. And, you know, you focus on building relationships, being strategic on how you build those relationships, but everything can't just be, well, I got to get something out of this, you know, in the beginning, sometimes you got to build up your equity over time, right? Can't expect to be, you know, take 10 steps on day one, just take one step, do something, build up the equity, build up the trust from other individuals that knowing that this person is consistent, they're reliable and they're trustworthy. Once you build that, I think over the course of time that equity comes to part in your brand, it is what you make it, right? I mean, I'm not a perfect person. I make mistakes. I'm human just like everyone else. But the way that I try to live my life is that I just want to be able to help individuals be better, help my community be better across this country. So, you know, the branding, that's a complicated, you know, thing in a sense, but You have to take those small incremental steps and think about the big picture at the end. Then you develop that plan to get there. And it has to be consistency as well.
4: Do you feel like that applies the whole NIL naming image likeness deal passing and now being a part of college sports? Do you feel as though the the educational components, the insight that you just provided is something that needs to now happen at an earlier age?
2: Yeah, I, I no doubt, you know, if we had what these kids have now when we were in college, I mean, you know, they can make money, they can do appearances. Mentally, I think financially, you're not in a position mentally to really manage and handle the financial responsibilities. So I think that's also uh, provide an opportunity a platform where they have strategic people in their lives that can help guide them and, and give them the right direction because they can't just live for today. I mean for me it's important. We want to live a good life today, but think about the 20, 30, 40 years from now, right? What type of life you want to live and not just for yourself, you know, I mean for your your kids, right? Your family. You you know, we have to learn to pass You know, pass stuff down to the next generation, generation generational wealth. How do we do that? Well, we have to plan for the future, but take advantage of the opportunities you have today, but don't spend it as if this is it, right? I mean, it is more about, you know, okay, what do I need to live a good life? Okay, but now I, I have what I need. How can I now start planning and saving for the future so that I'm able to put you know, my kids help, you know, family members, whatever it is down the road, live a better life because we have, we all have to come together on this journey. I mean, it's just the reality of it. And I just think these kids today, you know, they didn't grow up with the same values that we grew up because we struggled a lot harder. Now you are getting the instant contracts or you are getting the marketing bills or those things, put in the savings account, save it plan don't use it still live on that on that you know two dollar budget that we were all lived on in college right try to manage and and people is like well you i've done pretty good with managing dollars well i grew up my mom passed on a need basis not the things that i want and we not saying that you can't get the things that you want but it's a plan that you have to have right and you do it on a need basis. And if the college kids can take advantage of the opportunities, take advantage of it. But now start saving for the future because you never know. Not every college kid who gets a marketing deal is going to play in the pros. That's just not going to, that's the reality. So can you help, this this money can provide, you know, uh, uh, an opportunity for you to start, you know, charting your path and the things that you want to do and accomplish in life. So I, I would advise them to have the right you know, guidance or or get the right people in their lives. Who's not just going to be yes people, but people who are going to be honest and, and uh, have your best interests at heart.
4: All right. So with all that being said, that led to you being able to, and this is a humble brag on on my my bro. You're a minority owner of the Atlanta Falcons.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Did that frame of mind, position you you talked about the branding and being able to build strategic relationships and lasting relationships building towards the future having your brand represent something that connects to the people do you feel like all of those things along with what you just talked about in terms of being able to make your money and save your money and, and think long term how much did that play a part into you leading up to being a minority owner for the Atlanta Falcons
2: one, I would tell you the most important thing is I built a relationship with Mr. Blank, right? I mean, when, when I first came to Atlanta, I met him, and we didn't talk football. We talked about life, right? We talked about the impact that, that I wanted to make in the city of Atlanta and what he wanted to make because he was just becoming an owner. You know, I would say this. the second thing is, you got to think, I wasn't the highest paid player in my position. I mean, if you look back, I mean... If I played in today's era, it could be a lot different. But when I was playing, I was, you know, having to prove to to everybody in the league that I'm only 5'8", 180 pounds, that I can play every down. I can play with the big boys and, you know, trying to make sure that I can stay healthy. I had a lot to prove, but my strategy has always been...
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
2: I need to make sure I put myself and my family stuff in a position, you know, to to have a good future and utilize the platforms to do that. And that's what I did. I mean, believe it or not, you know, I was able to manage money early on. You know, I was able to put money to becoming a, a partner because you just—it's not a verbal agreement. I have to show it by giving money. You know, pretty much. He paid me to play with the Falcons, and I had to give a lot of that money back yeah. to him uh-huh. to become a minority owner. But when you think about it, you know, I just so managed. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, yeah, I managed my my money, but he asked me a key question, you know, towards the end of my career. It's like, what are you going to do after football? Oh, you know, he said, hey, do you want to go coach? You want to go, you know, do this or that? I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, so what do you want to do? I said, I'd rather be up there with you in the box, Right. And I mean, he was just like, Really? Oh, okay. I said, Yeah. I mean, this my goal isn't, I had big expectations for myself or lofty goals, right? Yeah. You, you know, but if you don't speak it or say it, then it can't happen. It never happened, right. right? I mean, the reality is it, it may happen, it may not happen, but you have to have that positive attitude and that outlook on life that this is possible. I built a relationship with him and I was always very transparent with Mr. Blank about the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, he would tell you, I would call him about whatever. And I was able to call the owner of the team and not go through the GM, not this or that. I built a relationship with him and, and I was never in for myself. I, I, he can see that I cared about my teammates, you know, the organization. I just want to see us be better. And you know, after I got released from the Falcons, he said one day I would love to call you a partner. I had no idea what that meant at that time. I was still trying to play football. Uh-huh. I went played Tampa one more year, and then, believe it or not, he, he had three or four meetings about um, about becoming a partner. And believe it or not, he was just he cooked me dinner, had me over to his house, cooked me dinner. To to work. This is something that you need to do. And I was still on the fence with it. But I was like, you know what? You know what? Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna work it out. And I just talked to my financial advisor says, okay, what can I how much you think I can do? You know, this or that. It was like, right.
4: If it's accurate, it was like north of 40 up front.
2: Well, well, you know, I can't tell you.
4: Okay, okay,
2: All right. All right.
4: But But you're sitting pretty right now. Well,
2: it's a good investment, (laughs) you know, it's it's a, it's a great investment. (laughs) That's what you think about, you know, the return is going to come. I mean, some, but let me just tell you, a lot of times people feel like they need to give a a hundred billion, a 10 million or whatever it is an investment. Sometimes, you know, and we've heard this from a lot of billionaires. If you put one, you know, a million dollars into a billion dollars business. I mean, that that's a, you're
4: not I mean, doing bad. Up. Yeah, you're not
2: right? doing bad. I mean, right. it's you know, so I just thought strategically it's like, okay, I don't have anything to prove to anybody else. This right. is an opportunity, right? I need I want to make sure that I still can live a comfortable life, still do the yeah. things I would like to do.
4: Yeah.
2: But at the same time, I know that when I give this money, it's gone. Right. I have to pretend it's gone. And right. it's it's a really great investment. So I can't complain. I mean, once once when I get the return, uh, you know, it'll be good for the kids, not yeah. necessarily for me. Right, yeah family. Uh-huh. That, that's what it but in reality some me, walt disney it's thinking
4: about. it's some disney world thinking
2: yeah i mean it's just like eventually down the road you know it's just like they they will reap the benefits of it i'm you know i'm just setting the Generation foundation of wealth yeah Generation and that's what wealth. it's really about for me
4: all right that's dope that's super dope all right let me let me let me let me wrap you up well there's two two more questions i'm gonna ask you one I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what is your favorite moment and memory with Coach Bowden. I mean, I gotta, I gotta cap- capture that, and and that's got to be something that that is a part of the the historical value of one of the greatest men that that I've ever known of, um, and well, two of the greatest dudes that and men that I've known of. So what? What is one of the most memorable moments that you've ever had with him? And it could be the first time you met him when you were younger. It could be as a man. It could just give me one. Give me one where it's like this one really, really maybe defines something for you.
2: Well, I can tell you it, it. One it. This my freshman year. We playing South Bend, playing Notre Dame, and told people you know this before is that i'm out you know everybody was slipping on the field in the first half you know they grew the grass you know this or that we're not I remember to that high grass. Yeah. and I, I was slipping brooks slept charlie ward was slipping out there and he called me out at halftime in front of the whole team and said work you're not in high school anymore you can't be out there slipping this or that i'm just like I mean and, you know I could easily like, like figure it out. But Brooksy is slipping. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> we all but slipping. It, yeah, we all did. But I I just said, okay. I went out in the second half. I did not slip. I you know, I scored, you know, I, I think I remember I scored a touchdown. I, I had a really good second half and I took that challenge, right? That, you know, that I need to rise above and, and, you know, you can use me as an example all you want, but I'm gonna prove to you that because you called me out that I'm gonna go out there and make it happen. And I did in the second half. And that has stuck with me all these years, right? I mean, he was another example. My mom challenged me when I was a freshman in high school yeah, I can take you out of this school because I was about to flunk out or you can stay and prove to them that you can make it. And I decided myself that I'm going to stay here and I'm going to prove to them that I can make it this school. Because I went to all boys, predominantly white Catholic private school. Honestly, I was not bringing home any books. I was enjoying lunch and P.E. I had to go ahead and decide to buckle down. I took the same mentality from that challenge with my mom to coach Bowden and you know anytime anybody called me out I didn't take it as a negative They're calling me out in front of everybody I took that as you know what they're, gonna, they're not going to do it again yeah you're the one We're to do it times.
4: though I mean that's yeah. how I would look
2: at it if, if coach yeah. Bowden called me
4: out singled me out you're the one to do it I'm the I'm the one to do it that's why I had to call that's why you had to call me out I'm the man I don't care how high the grass is I don't care how wet the grass is don't slip.
2: No, I, I wasn't gonna let that happen. And you know, we almost came back and won that game in the second yeah, half. But I yeah. did go out, and I didn't slip anymore. I that wasn't gonna be my excuse. Wow. All right.
4: Last one. I'm gonna leave you with. What does Warwick Dunn want his legacy to be? If we, if you left here today, when they give your eulogy what would you want them to say about
2: you man that's tough that um i was a family man i care about my family that was first and foremost to me uh most important part of my life is my family and i cared about people right i i just i've been across this country, this world, and I've talked to people. I was in a community where they wrapped their arms around my family when I lost my mom and they taught me what it means to care about your neighbor and to give back. And for me, I just want to continue to spread my wings and be thankful that I had the opportunity, but I just care about seeing people live a better life. But the most important thing is they have to do their part, right? nothing is free. You can't just hand things out and expect anyone to value it. You do your part and I will help. Right. And that's really what I'm about. I've had to do my part. You have to do your part because we all, we all have to train. We have to work hard. We have to be committed to something and we all need assistance to move forward in life. That's pretty much, uh, the thing that I would like people, one, you know, uh, to know about me, right. That, you know i played football pro football i never thought i'd play professional football i get drafted playing at 185 pounds at the most you know i, I got drafted i was 170. think about what i had to prove just to play down in and down out and now i'm 37 yards shy of 11,000. i i'm one of six guys in the national football league with 500 receptions You know, over 15,000 yards of total offense, you know, when it comes to that uh, running backs, I mean, it says a lot, but people don't think about the football thing. They just think about this is the guy who helps people. This is the the guy who gives with the homes. Right. And that's what I'm known for. Not, you know, what I did on the field. and, And I would like to be known as someone who played the game at the highest level. And against the best when yeah. I blocked Reggie White, Kevin Green blocking you and yeah. all those. I mean, it wasn't like I was out there just chilling. I was out there playing and yeah. I ran for my life. And, you know, I was I want to be an elite athlete football player because I'm very competitive, but also want to be the best human that I can be. And I wish people would uh, would would take that, that, you know, I was just as good as a football player, a human being vice versa. You know, it's it's all about that.
4: Just super quick, because you mentioned your mom the entire interview and to know, and I know you mentioned her passing, but to know how that impacted you in terms of what it, it what your responsibilities had to be based off of what happened, just so people are clear when they hear this that if you're comfortable with it, I mean, it's well documented, you know, yeah. but but just give a like just before we go, just the the idea of and that was like right before your your 18th birthday. Right. If I well, recall correctly, it was
2: t- t- Well, it was two days after my 18th birthday. Okay. I just turned right. 18. And two days later, my mom, who's a bedroom city police officer, was shot and killed in line of duty. She was making a routine night deposit at a at a uh, at a bank with the grocery store manager and two guys opened fire on a police car. She's in a police uniform or in a car and she lost her life. Um, You know, from that, I just became the guardian of my brothers and sisters being 18 years old, just turning 18, I was responsible for them. So, you know, I, I had to grow up really fast, didn't have the the best college life because I was so, I was more focused and my, a lot of my meetings with coach Bowden were about family. I would go to his office and sit to him, sit down with him and talk about, okay, what I do in this situation with my brothers and sisters back home, I'm trying to raise kids, you know, from Tallahassee over the phone right. and, you know, go back and yeah. forth. So, I had the ability to go um, home every break, every weekend that I had off, every summer I went home, you know, I, I, I did it all. I did it all. But I think the most important thing I, that I did is that when I was a, uh, my second year in Tampa, the youngest three came to live with me. So being a professional football player, I just work of a year, now I'm going to PTA meetings, making sure they, you know, I had to cook them meals every day. So I wasn't able to hang out with my yeah. teammates, right? I was parenting. Parenting. I was right. going to football games on Friday nights, not hanging out with my teammates on Friday nights. I was, I was doing everything a parent would do, and you know, for me, I, you know, that was my life. But because you know, I was the oldest of six, being responsible for my brothers and sisters. You know, I felt it was important that I do that. And my mom, you know, she, she left me that responsibility. So that's what I had to do. And I'm just thankful that I was, you know, put in a situation that I was mentally strong and able to uh provide for them.
4: You're one of the most extraordinary dudes I've ever known, bro.
2: Real oh, no, talk. I appreciate it. Like, I real talk, it, bro. bro.
4: Um Jeez. So... <laughs> So I'm wrapping up. i glad
2: coming in. Yeah, glad glad, coming
4: in. That, that's mama coming in. Mama letting you, giving you confirmation. Um, yeah. as, I, as I let you go, like I, I just, like I said, I, I want, I mean, I just want to let you know I, I do this. I, I'm doing this series so that I can tell stories and unveil stories of extraordinary guys. That that you know, I asked my son today. You know who you know Ward Dunn is. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The back, the back from Florida State. I was like, okay. So these young boys these days are losing track of what it means to be a fan of the game. To truly have followed the game and have reverence for the people who have made this what it is. You know, and and it's been passed on. And I I want to start trying to bridge the gap between new school and old school. I wanna I wanna also create an opportunity where telling our stories, like your story should be a documentary. And I don't know if it's ever happened or or if it's something, you know, I see all of these you know, everybody loves all American and all that stuff. Well, we really were all Americans. We really do have extraordinary stories and it's like if the tree falls in the woods and nobody's there to hear it fall or see it fall, doesn't make a noise. And I almost feel like that's what's happening with our legends in our community is that our voices aren't as strong as they once were, but yet they should be more prominent now than what they ever have. So I'm trying to collect all y'all's stories and package it up so that we can create this this dialogue and and i sure do appreciate you giving me the time bro
2: no man i appreciate you having me on man i hope you are uh, you i know you're gonna do a great job you know telling those stories so yeah you know tell your son i i, I tell the young kids today google you know if you don't know you know, Google is the best thing you can do is to, yeah. to really see how guys played. I mean, I don't think they're as interested in the game as we were coming up when we followed people and, you know, watched their every move. It's just different today. So, yeah. you know, we got to make sure that they grew up with the same uh, values in the sense that Correct. we had because, you know, and they're not going to do that, but you got to try to steer them as much as you can. So they understand that everyone who played, I, I played against them with, We had to practice. We worked hard to get there. This is not an easy thing. That's right. To be great, it takes a lot of sacrifice, commitment, you know, work ethic. You know, I did it all. I mean, I worked out three times a day Mm -hmm. just to play at the next level. So it takes a lot to uh, get to that level and to maintain it. We got to bridge that gap.
4: Because these cats think that this, they think that that is leading to them making it to the league. I'm that good, and then I get out there and I do what I do, you know. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, just imagine if they put that much time in practicing that they put on the video games, how much better athlete they would be. That's right. Yeah. So I, right. I'm already there. I'm already yeah. there. When I watch the game today, I'm like, oh, my God, he didn't take the right step. Oh, he could have did this. He could have. Right. I'm more critical than, yes. I'm. you know, it's like, wow. You know, that was it's that was hard great. to be a <laughs>
4: civilian. I said that we civilians now <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to sit and watch a game. A lot of times I turn the volume off. Cause yep. I, I don't yeah. I don't want to listen to what they're saying. I just wanna I want to be in the game, you know. I, you. Yeah. I don't even want to be entertained by what they're saying. Sometimes I just wanna I just want to be in the game. Like wow, look at how he's reading it, or you know, yeah. he's pressing the line. Like is he going to hit the cutback lane, or is he going to try to get yeah. outside, uh, or he yeah. missed it? Like you said, it's just anyway. I will be in contact because when all of this comes together. We're yes, going to go from school to school. We're going to go to Florida State. <laughs> we're going to go to a school in Atlanta. And we yeah, yeah. need to bridge this gap. They need to hear these stories. They need to hear this dialogue in person. And that's the whole right. idea. it. our legends need to be out there. And our voices need to be heard. And they need to be monetized as well. Because you we're not just here just to be here. The game yeah. is hey, It's not to be told. It's to be sold. You know what I mean? And so, yep. to me... We we need we need to have this dialogue. We need to create a platform where our legends can have their voices be heard in a powerful, impactful way. So that's that's what this is all about, bro.
2: Yes, sir. No, I appreciate it. I know you do a great job. Yeah. I know. Hey, I I know you will. I I just know. I, I've learned a lot about you over the years, and Thank just you. you know, playing against you. So yeah. I know how passionate you are about it. Yeah, I know it's gonna happen. So we're gonna you know. work on it. Yes sir. All yes, right. Sir. I appreciate you. To everybody out there, I hope
4: y'all enjoyed this great episode. Uh, Up on Game presents conversations with a legend, the legendary Warwick Dunn. Really appreciate you, man.
2: We'll talk soon. I Appreciate you, brother. Yes sir. Yes, All right. We'll check him I'm out. I'm happy you missed me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I he ain't didn't miss talk, you He didn't talk to We're yeah, gonna, we
4: gonna, Just... we gonna do round two on that one. We're gonna find the hidden footage on that one. But until next time, until next time, appreciate you, man. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Appreciate you. Okay. All right. To all you guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go to YouTube. Check it out. Make sure you check it out on Up On Game Presents. You can get that wherever it is that you download your podcast. All right. Y'all take care. Be blessed. I'm going to talk to y'all next week. We'll have another legend on deck.